Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jay Zawoski. Today is Friday. I know all the days are blending together, but obviously the last podcast of the week. And I want to remind you that the next Lockdown Blackhawks will be on Tuesday. So that means Talk Back Tuesday. Send those voicemails, send those emails, 708-653-0572 or LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. My personal account is at jayzawoski670. And check out the Madhouse podcast at Madhouse Pod. Special show today. My guest here on Lockdown Blackhawks is longtime, really, really, really longtime Daily Herald <laughs> columnist and my friend. Happy to call him a friend. I think I can call you that, right? It's Barry Rosner, Blackhawks historian, hockey man, hockey player, a friend to everyone, enemy to more people than that. Barry, it's it's great to hear your voice again. It's great to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you, Jay. Some of the things that you just said are true. Some of them uh, might be borderline true or bordering on accurate. But frankly, who cares really no, yeah. at this point? Does anything really matter right no, now? No, nothing matters. And uh, that's I sort of before we get to the old uh, hockey puck, I want to ask you about uh, like life. What are you What are you doing? What is your What's your life like right now? Are you just sitting at home like everybody else, or have you found an abandoned golf course to go tear up? Well, if I did, I wouldn't tell you because they would arrest me, <laughs> Good right? Good point, yes. So I couldn't tell you that if I had. But honestly, no, I haven't. Uh, I do. Uh, I hit wiffle golf balls in the front yard every day. I usually uh, go for a run, or yesterday was finally nice enough to go for a bike ride. That was pleasant. Um, one day I was running by a pond and I saw a swan guarding what appeared to be a net and there were geese and ducks and they all seemed to be playing a different game, but I stood and I watched it for like 10 minutes (laughs) and then the swan vacated the net. And then I don't know what happened after that, except I stood and I watched it for 10 minutes and it was fascinating, but the intermission came and I left and I don't, you know, I, I couldn't tell how they were keeping score anyway. So it was really hard to figure out, but that's the most entertaining thing that's happened to me in the last six weeks. I've been noticing uh, a lot of some hockey teams and the Cubs have been doing this, just showing virtual hockey games and baseball games. You just like literally watch a video game, simulate itself on TV and uh, just I spent, kill me. I just, spent an, just kill me, Jay. Just spent, kill me. I spent an embarrassing amount of time watching a simulated Cubs game. I'm like, what am I? <laughs> what am I doing? Why am I doing this? It's it's brutal. It's, I um, right now I'm watching the '97 Masters, even though I know Tiger won by two touchdowns. And uh, earlier I watched the Rangers win the Stanley Cup in 94. This afternoon I watched Bubba Watson win the 2012 Masters. It's Masters week. How do you think I'm doing? Yeah. How do I'm you sorry. think I'm doing right now? It's Masters week. There should be four hockey games on tonight, four playoff games. It's uh, you know, it's a struggle, but I'm I'm fine. I'm still working. Yeah. I, I have to work. I have to work because I can't afford to retire. So I'm still writing four columns a week. And um you know, it's okay. It's okay. The girls are home. That's great. But uh, wow, it is a weird. It's a weird. Right now, I'm I'm drinking scotch yes. and, and eating Milky Ways because that's what's left. That's the Halloween candy. You could do a hell of a lot worse than that, though. I mean, by by quarantine standards, Milky Ways and scotch is a pretty good. It, that's not bad. 
I'm concerned about what happens when the Halloween candy runs out. <laughs> chaos, absolute chaos. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be I mean, rough. Where do we where do we go from there? Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, you don't want to get to the Baby Ruth situation. That's then you might as well just well eat scraps. I, I, I yeah. Well, I started on the Butterfingers and uh, you know the mini Butterfingers, and you know that's like one bite. So I ate all those, and then from there I went to the. Um, to the Snickers, and right now I'm on the Milky Ways. But after that, it's Crackle and Baby Ruth. Oh, I don't mind. Crackle's pretty good. I've been living off the Keebler varieties of cookies, either Fudge Stripes or El Fudge. El Fudge is preferred, but I find there's not as many in the box, so you don't get the value that you get with the Fudge Stripes. It's a tough decision I have to make every two weeks when I go to the grocery store. But that's not why you called. Is it- um, <laughs> is, is that, is that your, uh, could I just ask you a fudge stripe question of course. as long as we're talking fudge stripes? Yes. Is, is that your favorite fudge stripe? I think my favorite, there, there's a, of the mass produced cookie, my favorite is the EL fudge. Okay. Yeah. All right. They're good. Try them. I, I don't, uh, I'm not, I, I, you know, I don't approve, but you know, fine, whatever, you know, at this point, whatever makes you happy. That's all. That's all we need. Look, no cookie makes me unhappy. And fudge stripes are a close second. I even tried the mint fudge stripes last week. Those are delicious. But to me, the EL fudge is a nice nice combination of uh, cream and cookie, and they're even better stale. That's a pro tip. That's a fat guy tip for you. You could, you know, you could dunk that in your coffee in the morning. Frequently, my breakfast is whatever cookie is remaining, I will dunk in my coffee, and that's breakfast. That sounds that sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. Advice taken. I'll do that in the morning. All right. Let's get to some hockey, shall we? Fine. Uh, over the last few weeks, NBC Sports Chicago has been showing the classic games from 2010. I don't know if you've been watching those games, but Barry, what strikes me about those teams, and it's, it's funny how how much we forget over such a short amount of time the freaking depth that those teams had. John Madden. Thomas Kapetsky, really good players on the fourth line. Christopher Stieg on the fourth line. They had they were 12 deep at forward, six or seven deep at defense. That's why, yes, the star power matters, but the, the Blackhawks' depth of 2010, 2013, 2015, that to me is the main reason that they won those Stanley Cups. There were no teams in the league deeper than the Blackhawks. Yeah, I, I have not been watching those games. Um I, I do, you know, it's funny, you talk about their depth. I remember walking in the locker room in Philadelphia uh, the, uh, after a morning skate. I think it was before game six. And I remember talking to Brent Sopel and thinking, Brent Sopel's really not very good at hockey, but where would they be right now without Brent Sopel? Because didn't they have a bunch of injuries on defense yes. toward the end of uh, – and that's what happens. I mean, that's what happens after two months of playoff hockey. So you've got to have that depth. But you're right about that 2010 team, extraordinary depth. They were also, what, $18 million over the cap going into the summer. So not a surprise that they lost half a team. But the things that stick out to me were, uh, as you just pointed out, the extraordinary depth up front. The series against San Jose, that San Jose team was really really good yes they wiped him out um and but their goaltender was horrible yes he was yes he their goaltender was was horrible and i I remember walking out of the building after game four 
with uh, someone from the San Jose traveling party who said to me, this could have been a different series if our goaltender could stop a beach ball. Um, so I, I think that's, uh, that's one of my lasting memories of that series. As far as, as Vancouver goes, those, those games were, they were insane, right? I mean, the games were, the, the games were just up and down, up and down insanity. And then you have Nashville. Let's not forget, if not for Martin Erat, the Hawks could have lost in the first round. They could have gone back to Nashville down a game. Yeah. And if not for Martin Erat's unconscionable play with an open net from behind the opposition net, which is something you're taught when you're five years old, if you've got a if you've got a lead, and they don't have a goalie, and I mean, and the Hawks were short-handed. Just fall on the puck. Fall on the puck. Now, in his defense, not it, it, actually, this is no defense, but I, I will point <laughs> out that the pass he made out front, as I recall, just caught a piece of the net, I believe. And if it doesn't, it's an easy tap-in, empty net goal. But it didn't. It caught a piece of the net, and the Hawks went the other way and, and scored and then won in overtime in a game in which – Hosa should have been thrown out, by the way. Yeah, that was a brutal so, hit. So, when, so as you look back on it, um, those are the things that happened during a very, very long playoff run. I mean, there's a chance that they don't even get out of that first round, but they did. And, um, you know, over two months, you're, you're going to have to get some breaks. Oh, and you've course. got to have great character. Those teams had great character, uh, you know, you mentioned a guy like, like John Madden, and I can remember always walking into that room after games, and not everyone was in there. John Madden was always in there, always. Whether he factored in the game or not, he was always in there. And, you know, that, that speaks to the kind of guy that he was. But he was already a Stanley Cup winning player, and he knew what it took, and he knew what his responsibilities were. And he was a terrific part of that team. My other... One of my other memories of of um, of that playoff run, you love this. There was a game uh, where Anthony Emmy played okay, not great. And when everyone went into the room after the game, uh, everybody went to the various players. You know, there's Taves, there's Kane, there's Sharp, there's whomever. And uh, I went to Niemi because no one was there. And I started having this conversation with him because it's rare you can get a guy alone. So I'm, I'm having this nice conversation with him and I feel a push on my shoulder and uh, I don't move. And then I feel the push on my shoulder again. And it's a CBC cameraman who's there by himself without a producer. And he's pushing me to the side to get out of the way. And I turned around and I cursed. I said, what is your problem while cursing? And he's like, you're in my shot. And I said, then you do the interview. And I stepped out of the way and he said nothing. So then I stepped back in his camera and he pushed me again. I turned around and looked at him and he said, what, do you want to go? <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's fight in the locker room. That's a good idea. Let's have a fight in the locker room. So one of my favorite memories of, of the playoff run is, is a CBC cameraman wanting to start a fight in the locker room. Man. You don't mess with the Barry Rosner either. I've seen you. I've seen you fired up, and uh, you'll whoop some ass. <laughs> I, I'm sure of it. 
All right, we're we this is flying by. We're already uh, 17 minutes into this, and we've not talked about the current Blackhawks yet. So here is what you got. You, you got to be somewhere. No, what's, uh, what's what's your hurry? I, you know what? You're right. You're right about that. I, I do wor- have nowhere to go. This in, could be a two parter. In the in the words of Casey Affleck and Goodwill Hunting, where do we got to be? We can't spare 15 minutes. Good point. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We are speaking with Barry Rosner of the Daily Herald. Barry, I want to get your take on the way things are with the current Blackhawks team. And I think the thing that we have, we, when I say we, I talk about me and I talk about my audience. It's an interactive show after all. Um, the story that's on our minds is the what the seemingly big decision between Dylan Strom or Dominic Kubelik. Who do you bring back? Who do you pay? If, I think you find a way to bring them both back. That's what I would do. Um, but if you have to choose between one of those guys, who are you choosing and why? Wow. You guys are really doing this? Uh, I have to do three podcasts a week. Uh, last month it was five podcasts a week. So, yes, we're doing everything. I have you on, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah. No, I can tell you're desperate. Yeah. Um, and that you're you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Um. That's impressive that you're having that conversation. Honest to God, I can't even remember what the team looked like. When when did they stop playing? Like six months ago? It feels that way, doesn't it? What was the, the last game? Was let's see, I got my calendar here right in front of me. Don't uh, don't look at a calendar. It just it just increases depressing. the pain and focuses you more on on where we are right now. I'm I'm day to day. March 11th is all I am right now. March 11th was the last game, so almost a month ago. Wow. Um, no, I – you know, look, if you think back to what Strom was before he got hurt, you you know, there I don't think there would be much of a conversation here at all. But given that it, it, it ought to make – the price somewhat cheaper, I would think you would do all you could to bring them both back at this point. Kubelik obviously has established himself. You know, you like you like his game at both ends of the ice. Uh, you like that he can finish. And, you know, he may not be quite the two-way player Strom is. I, I You know, I, I see no reason why you wouldn't try to bring them both back. It, why is there an assumption that you must choose between the two, or or is there no assumption at this point? I, I don't know, because the question is, now the salary cap's up in the air, and before all this went down, there was some optimism that the cap was going to go up significantly at least, and a little bit like, holy crap, a big jump, like an $8 million jump potentially, but now with all this lost revenue and all that stuff, how does that change, right? So you've got to bring in a goalie. And I think most people believe they'll sign Crawford for two more years because they can get a starting level goalie for less than starter money, which is logical to me. Um, and then is Seabrook coming back? That's what we don't know. And if he comes back, that's seven point eight million or whatever it is on the cap. You've got Andrew Shaw's contract there. You've got Calvin DeHaan, and there's ways out of these things. But you're not going to find a lot of takers for these injured players. So where does the money go? Basically, best case scenario. In my mind is they bring Kubelik back, they bring Strom back, and you hope that some of these young players take a jump because you're basically bringing back post-trade deadline 2019-2020 Blackhawks. That's best-case scenario is you bring Strom, Kubelik, and Crawford back. 
Because what else can you do? Yeah, it, it, yeah. if I could digress for a moment, one of the real um, difficult parts of this for, for this particular team is you were giving so many young defensemen of, of, um, of different variations an opportunity to play and to see what they can do and to see how they might fit into a lineup. And this lost time is just, uh, it's a real shame. I mean, it's, it's a crucial part of their development. It's uh, in a year in which you, you should be playing a lot of young players and you should be seeing who develops. You've lost a lot of time here and that's a real shame. Um, As for Crawford, I wouldn't go two. Uh, I would, I, I would think he would take one unless there are, I mean, you think there's going to be two years offer two year offers for him out there. I, I find that difficult to believe, but if you could, if you could go one at a price, that makes sense. I'm I'm just trying to think like Stan Bowman. And I know what Stan Bowman does is he gives you the money and the term and the no movement clause. You get all three with Stan. I don't look, (laughs) look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have, any idea how this is going to work out in terms of in terms of the NHL, the NHLPA, the owners, the cap, and all of that? I think there are going to have to be allowances made for what has just occurred. I think there has to be reason on both sides, and I think you're going to have to give teams some sort of a way out because they you, you didn't get to finish the season. You don't know what you have in some of these guys. Obviously, the revenue's not there, so that's going to affect the cap. Do you, you know, I've thought in terms of, you know, as I've been daydreaming or drinking more, I've thought in terms of, in terms of virtual revenue and virtual caps and what would it have been and what, what would the salaries have been and can you give teams a way out? I mean, I, I just don't know that you could, you could have teams all of a sudden on July 1st pretend to know what their roster really looks like when you didn't get to finish a season. So I, I, I can't answer that. I, I don't know how they're going to do that, but I think there will be reason involved. And I think that there will be an opportunity for teams to go beyond what you think they'll be, what, you would assume right now that they can go beyond. Does that make some sense? It does. What about the idea, and maybe this is what you're you're saying, is you give every team a one-time, no-questions-asked buyout. It could be a no-movement guy. It could be whatever kind of contract, but because of what happened, because of the financial restrictions, et cetera, we are now allowing every team in the league to buy out one player consequence-free. And that, But I, how is the Players Association going to agree to something like that, right? Well, again, there has to be reason on both sides, yeah. and and there there's going to have there's going to have to be some give on both sides, and um, you know, the NHLPA is about jobs and salaries. Okay, well, if if you know if if they're going to be reasonable, then on the other side, the owners are not the owners, but you know, the commissioner. And, and his people are going to have to be reasonable about the cap. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe it's uh, maybe you get one allowance for a monster buyout or something like that. I, I, I think that's a great idea. I think more likely there will be some 
there will be some allowance made for teams to go beyond the cap, even though the revenue doesn't match up with it. And again, both sides mm. are going to have to be fair about it. And uh, if if there's some reason, I think you'll I, I think you'll see some teams be able to do more than if we looked at it right now. You think they'll be able to do? Um, you mentioned Seabrook. There's no question in my mind that he wants to play, that he doesn't want to go out the way that he did. So I, I would guard against any assumption that, that he's just going to call it a day and give the Hawks a big break. Yeah, I'm operating under the belief that he's going to play too. And if he's physically capable of playing, he's going to play. They're not going to tell him he can't. And I think one thing that's been good for Hawks fans is watching these old games and remembering how important Brent Seabrook was to this organization. And I know it sucks now because that that damn contract is there's no justification for that. There's none. But that guy means a lot to this organization, and that's why he got that deal. That's why Bowman gave it to him because of what he accomplished before. That's not a winning formula, but that's what it was. Brent Seabrook's hugely important to this team, and I don't think they're going to let him just sort of fade into the ether like okay bye Brent like oh yeah you're hurt air quotes and then we never see him again I think he's going to do everything he can to play next season I really do yeah you know it's it's funny that you say that because um I was talking to an NHL friend of mine the other day who I had seen during the Western Conference Finals in 2015 that incredible series against Anaheim and uh, this is a GM of another team. And we were just, we were talking about the, the, the summer that would be upcoming. And he said, you know what this team has that, that few teams have. And he pointed out on the ice and he said, two and seven, two and seven, two and seven. And he just kept saying it over and over again. He said, that is the most valuable thing in hockey right there. So, I mean, that's where, that's where Brent Seabrook still was at that point, even though maybe he wasn't 2014 or 13 or 12 or 11 or 10 Brent Seabrook, he was still that Brent Seabrook. And yeah, they don't, they don't win any of those cups without him. So it's just the nature, it's the nature of the game that you, you look at a guy and what he is now and you tend to forget what he was. You also tend to blame him for the contract that that's not his fault. Correct. You know, somebody offers you money. You sign on the dotted line. Thanks very much. See you later. Um, I think so that's the, not his. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I, the, I experienced the same phenomenon with Brian Campbell. Is He was just the first big free agent the Hawks landed in forever. They had to pay crazy amount of money for him. He came, in, came and did exactly what they paid him to do, but because he wasn't Norris Trophy level, you know, got on skates, he wasn't worth the money, and Hawks fans sort of turned on him. You got to remember these guys. If you look, if they're going to offer me eight million dollars to do my job, I'm taking it. Don't blame me for that. Blame the guy that that offered the contract. And I think a lot of people have turned yeah. on Seabrook and had turned on Campbell at that point because of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt somebody offers Brian Campbell that kind of money. You know, he signs the contract. The problem there was you knew what Brian Campbell was. He was a turnover machine. He was. He was for the years before he got here. He was for the years he was here. He was for the years after he left here. So, um, but again, that's not his fault. Yeah. He was what he was. You paid Brian Campbell to be Brian Campbell, and he was Brian Campbell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you you make a good point. I can't argue with, with what you just said. 
All right, one more uh, big off-season question for you. Since uh, since I have you and you're not doing anything except eating Milky Ways and drinking scotch, um, a lot's I'm been. I'm watching ma- Tiger. I'm watching Tiger walk down uh, the 18th fairway in 1997 as we speak. Do you want me to give you a moment? It's not, to say, to... It, it's not to say that I'm not concentrating on anything that you're saying. It's just that I don't care about anything that you're saying. Oh well, that's appropriate. That's uh, m- many of our listeners feel the same way, so it's great. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am talking with the Daily Herald's Barry Rosner, my friend, my mentor, my pal, Barry. Um, Bowman and Cowton will be back, according to Rocky Wirtz. Um, I guess you can't fire Cowton and keep Bowman because you can't say, okay, you fired Quenville and his replacement sucked, So now, but you get to keep your job. So if Cowton's staying, Bowman has to stay. I guess you're sort of attached at the hip here. What do you make of it? What should the Hawks have done or should they do whenever this season ends as far as the GM and coach go in your mind? Well, I, I, I tend to deal more in the reality than in uh, the hypothetical. And the fact is, I, if you'd asked me six months ago or three months ago or a month ago, I would have assumed that both were coming back. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I'm, you, you look at Jeremy Colleton, uh, I don't have, I don't really have a huge problem with Jeremy Colleton. I think he's done a lot of experimenting. I think he went in at, obviously in his first season, he knew they weren't going to make the playoffs. I don't think if he were being honest, he would tell you they thought they were going to make the playoffs this year. So I think he's done a lot of experimenting. I don't have a huge problem with him as a coach. I think he's growing in the role. I like, I really like, what he tried to do to start last season. I really like it. I really like it. He said, look, you guys, you forwards cannot play defense. And our defense is not good enough. So you're going to have to learn to play defense. You're going to have to become more responsible and be a part of this team game that we're playing. I like that he tried to do it because it was the right thing to do. Now, it didn't work. Now, so, see, let he me... sort of, so he sort of turned them loose again. And I, I guess he had no choice, but it wasn't the wrong thing to do. And I don't know if that's the big criticism of him. I don't know what your big criticism of him, yeah. but I think he's tried. To, I think he's tried to do a lot of different things. Um, I, you know, if he were Joel Quenville, would the Hawks have been making the playoffs this year? The answer is no. So I'm not sure what the big problem is with him. Maybe, Maybe you have a problem with him. Tell me what it is. My criticism with him is not with him. I think that he was put into an impossible situation to come in and replace Joel Quenville. Look, I think if you put Jeremy Cowton on you know, Team X, I think he does a fine job. I don't think he's a bad coach. But like you said, to start this season, you saw what he was trying to do, and the players basically said, go F yourself. We're not doing that. We are three-time Stanley Cup winners. We are all-stars. We are Hall of Famers. You're 36 years old. We're better than you, and we're not going to listen. He does not have the respect of the locker room. That's not my opinion. I've heard it from a lot of people. And look, if you're – and I'm not saying – I'm just throwing a name out here. Jonathan Taves. Jonathan Taves is going into the Hall of Fame as soon as he's eligible. What is Jeremy Cowton going to tell Jonathan Taves? And I feel like that's something that Bowman did not consider. And it's bullshit. Sorry to swear. I don't know. I'm not. It's my podcast. I can do what I want. 
it's bullshit that yeah. he would feel that way, and I blame Taze for that. But Bowman should have seen with this. Str- the, you mentioned it earlier. This team is relentless, and they are firing. They want to win. They want things their way. Bowman should have seen that with these strong personalities, that this combination was not going to work. That that's my credit. So it's more for me about Bowman than Cowden. Yeah, I mean, look, your your problem isn't Jonathan Taves. Jonathan Taves is obviously going to play two hundred feet. The the problem was with some of the other forwards, and I don't think, frankly, it is too much to ask that you know in the second period or at the end of a power play, you get off the ice when you're supposed to get off the ice, or you get back and you help. I don't I don't think that's too much to ask. I agree. And frank, frankly, I believe that in hockey, you know what your responsibilities are, and you should be doing those things without having to be smacked in the back of the head. And um, and that's on you. As a player, that's on you if you're not doing those things. Um, you know, look, if, um, if you lose a room, I also believe it's the responsibility of the leaders in that room to make sure that doesn't happen. Look, we have a boss. This is what he says. This is what we do. It is truly the one sport where that exists. And I'm, and if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, that's on you. Um, but look, if, um, if he was the wrong guy at the wrong time, then yeah, that's on the general manager, but I'm not convinced that he's a bad coach. No. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen that. I know it's a popular thing to say. I know it's an easy thing to say, but like I, like I mentioned before, if Joe Quimble were still coaching this team, they wouldn't have made the playoffs last year and they wouldn't be making the playoffs this year. So yeah. I don't know how you put that on Jeremy Carlton. As for Bowman, mm-hmm. um, he is trying to do what I believe is pretty much impossible, which is rebuild while win at the same time. So you got to ask yourself, is that all Stan or is that a mandate? Is that what he's being told to do? Um, he's obviously made some bad moves. He doesn't get any credit for his good moves. Um, if he were, if he were responsible for everything bad that's occurred, I'd say, yeah, this ought to be the end for him. But again, my question would be, what's his mandate? And what you see, I I mean, I think if two years ago, all right, look, so you go back to, um, you go back to them getting swept in the first round, right? After a season in which they were the, what, the, uh, the best team? In the mm-hmm. West, weren't they? Yeah. They finished first in the West that year? Yes, they did. All right. So so they get swept in the first round. Um, the next year, they miss the playoffs. And at that point, I think the move would have been to start rebuilding. But it's not something that they've chosen to do. Now, is, does that come from the ownership level or the president's level? Because that's what I would have done at that point. I'd have said, "Look, greatest decade in the history of the franchise. Thanks very much. Let's start rebuilding this thing." But that's not what they've done. They've continued to try to win, to try to make the playoffs and rebuild at the same time. I think it's a really difficult job. Stan has made some bad moves. He's also made some good moves, um, but I don't think you can put this all on him either. That's interesting. And I, a question I've been asking lately is. You know, is Rocky Wirtz 
willing to do a full rebuild and I don't know I don't know the answer to that. Rocky's only been the 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 in charge since the Hawks have been good. He hasn't had to deal with any long-term failure. But he did allow for Joel Quenville to be fired. So that gives me some indication that he's not a Jerry Reinsdorf type that's going to sit and let you know the Hawks version of Garpax run things into the ground for 18 years, right? I do, I do see that he has a willingness to make an unpopular move for the betterment of the team. So it begs the question, and it's been the question since Rocky's taken over, is who is calling the shots? Is it Rocky? Is it McDonough? Is it truly Stan? Is it a combination of the three? And I think your point is valid. Is Stan being told, okay, look, I know you know we're not a great team here and you've got some cap issues, but let's try to be decent while you rebuild this team. If that's what he's been told, he's kind of doing okay because of some draft luck. You know, getting the third overall pick was unexpected, and Doc was ready to go, well, maybe not ready right away, but played all season and got better and better and better as the year went on. Boak was played well uh, for the majority of his time up. He had a tough week here or there. But I don't know. It's it's. I, I try to imagine how this team would be had DeHaan stayed healthy, had Shaw played the whole year. You know, it, things look a little – even if Drake Kajula had not missed all that time – then you're not playing guys like Highmore and these dime a dozen, you know, Dylan Secura types, and maybe that's the difference of a playoff spot or not. I don't know. It's, it's sort of hard to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up DeHaan because he was their best defenseman yes. until he got hurt. So that's a huge loss. And, uh, you know, again, as you look at it from Colleton's standpoint, that's an, there's, there was an awful lot of turnover this year. And that's, and there's an awful lot of teaching that has to go on at the NHL level. And that's difficult when you don't have practice time. Uh, you've got to, it's the most important part of the NHL is your practice time, especially when you've got young players and the schedule is so compact, it's just difficult to do. And then you've got, you've got a core of veteran players who you don't want practicing that hard every day. So it's it it's a tightrope that they're walking. Look, I, I realize um, I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, but I know that <laughs> good for you. I know that every time <laughs> the Hawks are playing, that Colleton is trending or Bowman is trending. So I I know they're not popular guys. So I know this is not a popular opinion, but I don't have a problem really with anything that Jeremy. I shouldn't say anything. I don't have a problem with the way Jeremy Colleton has coached this team. And I admire that he tried to do what he tried to do at the beginning of the season. I also admire then that he was willing to adapt and say, obviously this is not going to work. So uh, I'm going to do something else. Um, I ran a poll on the Twitter account uh, of lockdown Blackhawks. I said, you have to keep one. Who do you choose? Stan Bowman or Jeremy Colleton? Do you want to take a guess at how the numbers looked? Um, well, based on the way you just asked that question, I would guess, uh, if you could only keep one that Carlton won that vote, he did 61 and a half percent to 38 and a half. So, yeah, I think, I think people are kind of with you on Carlton. Like I, I find it hard to find, this is what Carlton is doing wrong. Here it is. X's and O's wise, what he's doing wrong. And you could say the man to man system isn't great for a slow defensive team. Of course. Sure. But, you know, I, th- I think that he's done a replacement-level job with the roster he has. I think that's, you know, I maybe there's someone better, you know, uh, sure. But I, I think that he's doing 
what's expected when if you were to just sort of lay out on paper here's the season what does this look like at the end of the season it'd probably be about where they were right look uh, my 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 belief is that if a guy has a reason for why he does what he does or why he made the decision that he made if he's got a reason and he can back it up then okay you have a good reason for why you did what you did. Okay. It didn't work, but you had a reason for why you tried what you tried. Um, then I'm good with that. Um, and I realize these are, these are probably really unpopular opinions and I'm not here at all beating the drum for either one of the guys that you mentioned, but I'm trying to lend some perspective to, uh, the, the position that Colleton was put into, and the, and the situation that he's dealing with on a daily basis with a team that's split between guys who have never played in the NHL and some veteran players who may not be what they used to be. Clearly, some of them are not what they used to be. Um, and as for Bowman, I would, I would, the way I look at it is, what was he asked to do? I mean, if he was asked to rebuild the team, then you'd see fewer of your most popular players and you'd see a rebuild underway. And if he was entirely going for a playoff spot, then they would have traded out of that third spot probably last year and brought in a veteran player, someone who could have helped them maybe get to the playoffs and lose in the first round. So, I mean, things like that. So you're, you're, you're trying to serve two masters, and I think it's very difficult to do. Um, if you look at it, if, if, if my assumption is right, I think he's done an okay job at that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I do think that's fair. And I, I've i not been overly critical of Cowton this year either. And I think, like I said earlier, you have to look at everything from it, it can't just be on paper. It's not a video game. It's You've got to look at circumstances. And again, if you lay this thing out and say, here's the season, here's the roster. These guys get hurt for the whole year. This guy misses a lot of time, blah, 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 blah. You've got young players who've never played playing this many games in this many minutes. How does this team finish? It's where they finish. So, I, I, again, I don't have a huge problem with Cowton the coach. I just hope that he has the ear of the locker room, and um, I, I, I just don't know if he does. You know, and, and it's it's disappointing, like you said, because we hold these guys in such high regard. And, and I want to be clear. I don't – when I, I mentioned Taves as an example, I have no evidence that Taves does not like Cowton, just for the record. Um, but, but just saying, like, if there's veteran guys that don't respect him, it's disappointing, but – you know, if you don't have those guys, how are, how are the young guys going to follow the lead, too? I don't know. It's uh, it's something we could talk about for a long time. But, Barry, you've given me 45 minutes of your evening. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, let's do this again soon, uh, assuming the world does not end. Yeah, I, I have no uh, great interest in doing this again. Um, <laughs> you lie. You love but, this. Uh, and, and I don't know uh, – why dick. 45 minutes is enough i i got no place to be i got nothing to do i do the 97 masters the 97 <laughs> masters is over oh, uh, man, i sorry. it's i just watched them finish it and tiger set all kinds of records so that's over i'm i'm free right now uh, if you want to talk about anything else i'm kind of done i don't really have anything else to talk about e- either do i either I don't. do it's i just um i've been at home all it's just i'm sitting at home the other thing i want to talk to you about is not for the podcast let's put it that way Oh, I could, I could probably guess. 
Yeah. Probably. Yes. Let's do that. Well, call me after you're done doing whatever it is that you're doing with this. It it was fun. Thank thank you for having me. Um, I love talking hockey and, uh, I, I hope that, uh, that people enjoyed it. My guess is not. Yeah, probably not. That would be my guess. Um, because as you pointed out before, most people don't like me. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. I'm used to it. Uh, I deal with that in my own house on a daily basis. So there's nothing new about that. Um, but I hope people enjoyed it. I hope, uh, they, uh, they got their hockey fill at least for a little bit. And, uh, let us just hope Jay Zawoski that somehow they restart this and, and at least we get to see some playoff hockey because my life is not the same without it. No, mine either. Barry, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. I miss your face, and as soon as this is over, we're getting beers. I know I've threatened that with you many, many times, but uh, now that now that I've been removed from society, like everybody has, I miss everybody. So we're definitely going to make that happen. I'll come to you. I'll get drunk on your porch if you want, uh, but i got to see you soon. And uh, be well. Take care of yourself. Stay healthy. And uh, as an elderly person, you need to stay home. Just know that. <laughs> you are most vulnerable. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Uh, the feelings are all mutual, and uh, I hope to see you soon. Take care of yourself. All right. Thank you. That was my friend and uh, more of a mentor than he will ever know, the great Barry Rosner from the Daily Herald. Appreciate Barry for his time. I know that was a longer podcast than expected. Uh, really glad I could bring that to you, though. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Remember, next episode is Talk Back Tuesday. No episode Monday. We're going to talk Tuesday, answer your questions, so get those in. Voicemail, 708-653-0572. Email, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Get those in. We want your voice on this podcast. Also, next week, on Thursday, we're going to talk to Mark Lazarus from The Athletic. I've been threatening it all year. We have finally agreed on a time. It's really the first time I've asked him, to be honest, uh, just because things get busy, news happens, whatever. Uh, but Mark Lazarus will be on the podcast next week as well. So don't miss that. All that and more on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And now that you've finished Lockdown Blackhawks, ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Lockdown NHL. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay home. Stay healthy. Take care of yourself. And we'll talk to you next week.